I'm Patrick Bidev, your host of Aitimin, and today's sit down I have a conversation with Changiz Lahiji, who's got an interesting story. He was a special forces soldier, both for Iran under the Shah, and then he came to US and became special forces, joined the A-team for over 20 years. He is full of stories. If you have any interest in Iran and the revolution and special forces in Ranger School, you are going to love this podcast. We have a hero here today with us, Agaye Changiz Lahiji. Thank you very much. Thank you so much for being a guest on Valuetainment. Thank you, my pleasure. Thank you so much. You brought me here. It's an honor to be here. Thank you. I think the, the feelings all here because for me, you know, when I'm in the Army and I'm an E4 and I remember... I was at 326 Engineers, which it was a unit at Fort Campbell, Kentucky, and I was a Hummer mechanic. And I used to go and work out at this gym in uh, uh, Fort Campbell called East Step. It was the main gym at Fort Campbell. Right. And I would get to uh, talk to the Special Forces guy, and then all of a sudden one guy said, hey, you speak other languages, have you ever thought about it? Then my unit, we started talking, I said, hey, come and come and sit down at the fifth group, be, maybe become an 18 Delta. Then we had that conversation, right. and I was going to go that direction. The reason why I share this story with you is every time I would see the Special Forces badge or the Rangers badge, it was like you're sitting down with a hero in, in, in the Army. Thank so you, the sir. fact that you're sitting next to me and you're from Iran, I'm so looking forward to this interview. I couldn't put this Thank book you. down. Uh, we were on a flight. I'm reading it to Mario. Mario's like, oh my gosh, no way. Yes, so many great things in this book. Thank we're going to leave the link below for you to be able to get the book as well. But prior to getting to all these stories, why don't we go all the way back to Iran? Sure. Okay? Sure. You were raised in Iran, right outside of Tehran. I think it was like 50 miles, 50 kilometers outside of Tehran. Right. But I kind of want to go and, you know, talk about your experiences there and your upbringing, your father, your family, and how you got into the military in Iran. So let's start off there first. Sure. I'm born in Tehran, like you said, uh, south of Tehran. So my dad, when he was, he was pretty a smart guy. When he was 16 years old, he was mayor of north of Tehran, Shemran. 16 years old, he was the mayor. Yes, he was amazing. He was amazing guy. I, I couldn't believe it. And he's writing, speaking so well. Even he did not uh, finish the college or went to two years school. He was pretty small, right? Oh, unbelievable. So I was born in Tehran and my dad got a job in Abadan. Mm -hmm. So when I was five years old, we moved to Abadan and my dad got a job in a police department. And Abadan is the number one oil refinery in the world at Correct. the time. Rich people lived there. It was a very beautiful Correct. place. Correct. Very beautiful like place. islands type of... That's correct. That's correct. So as we were there, since I was seven, eight years old, I always wanted to come to America. As you know, in Iran, before 18 years old, you cannot get out unless you serve the military. Mm -hmm. It's a drafted, it's mm -hmm. not just like a US volunteer. So I went to finish my yes. military three and a half years uh, from Abadan. We moved to Tehran, went to training with the Baksha, with all the special force right there. A lot of fifth group team, they were there to train in us. They, you, they trained. Special Forces Iranian, wow. okay, those fifth group. Only fifth group, not seventh group. And it's interesting because yes. Bakhtiar, back in the 50s, he brought the CIA to train the Savak exactly. in Iran, if you remember that. Because, That's correct. So that was when Iran had a good relationship with the U.S., with they the would US. train each other. When the Shah was. Yes, correct. when the Shah when was. The Shah was, was yes. Correct. From there, they send us to uh, Shiraz for a uh, celebration of 2,500 Iranian history. So I was there. This is Cyrus the Great, the exactly. Iranian Empire celebration. In correct. All these celebrities were flown in. Oh God, in. you don't believe how much money they spent? It's great, it was great. But who worked hard with it? Mm. So anyway, I finished that and uh, from there, uh, they sent me to Kurdistan. So I was training Kurdish, Iranian Kurdish. With uh, Ahmed Masoud Barzani when I was, I think so, 18 years old. 18 half, I believe that. I met him, nice, nice guy. When I spent all together three and a half years, then I came back to Abadan, and my dad, my uncle, took me to embassy, actually consulate, to try to get a visa for me to come to America. And consulate said, where do you want to go? I said, I'm going to go be as a pilot. Then said, you'll be pilot? I said, yes and I'm gonna spend in the military. He said, serious? Yes, sir. Then uh, I'm gonna go to Vietnam. 
said, Vietnam, you can't go to Vietnam. I said, why? He said, you're not a U.S. citizen. I said, sir, to kill the communists, you don't need to be citizen. <laughs> Just send me. I'll prove it to you. You and were that Lord. determined. You were that true, true, true of a believer. Oh, God. Yes. Wow. Yes, Mr. Pat. Yes, Pat. Yes. I came to America in 1974. My brother, my uncle, they were in California, San Francisco, San Jose. They had a couple, you know, those days, gas stations mm -hmm. was belonged to Iranian. Most of them now, a lot of Indian have a gas station. Yes. It's okay. No big deal of it. So I thought I'm a good looking man. Nice black hair, dark, dark eyes. I want to have a good with a blonde hair. That was wrong. <laughs> <laughs> that was totally wrong. So I, I lined up working the gas station daytime and go college. And after that, I worked for my brother three years. I said, no, 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 this is not for me because this is going to be my adopted country. I love people here. I want to do something so nobody can tell me get out. And those days, 40 years ago, believe me that the people so different, so nicer than they are right now. Really? Yes. Even though you were from Iran? Yes. Oh, they treat me so good. They ask me, Cengiz, what you need? Stuff like that. They will help me wow. for many ways. Language or banks and stuff like that. Uh, because it, it was no such a terrorist stuff like that. Everything changed. Everything changed since I've, I've been here. So I, I signed up. I signed in 1977. I came to Army Delay Entry. I signed up for be Ranger, Special Forces. I remember I had a recruiter, E7 Thompson, black guy, good looking guy, a lot of medals. So you're, you're gonna be Ranger, Special Forces? You're too small. I said, don't judge me by, by size. So, okay, you pat my back, you wrote and stuff like that. So I took him in my house to introduce my mom and my brothers. My family supported me a lot. Yes, go son, whatever you have to do, do it. Yes, this is your country, you gotta do it, you gotta support it. So, so was, nobody fought you joining the US Army? Oh yeah, they loved it. They were it. supporting? Everybody, Patrick. Did you call your dad back in Iran or no? No, I couldn't, but the story is, uh, anyway, I finished all the training when I was E5. If you remember those days, we have a khaki uniform. Beautiful. I took the hop, came to Travis Air Force Base. From there, took the Greyhound, came to Santa Clara. My dad came a week before me arrived. Mm. They were so happy. The Grammy gave me kiss, stuff like that. It was 1985, I believe, yes. So he came visit me and stuff like that. And I came back to Fort Bragg, and my dad went back to Iran. And my dad was citizen also. You became citizen? Became citizen 1984. Yes. When did you become citizen? I 1980. Got it. So you joined the army with your green card. Correct. Me too. I was in the army green correct. card. Everybody said, correct. how are you without a correct. citizenship? No. So you don't have to be. You need green card. Exactly. Right. You don't have to be correct. Yeah. A green card, yes. So 1985, your dad comes, he visits, and are you going back to Fort Bragg? My dad went back home. Okay. My back home. Is most of the stuff is in the book. I don't want to go long detail on it but anyway when I after six months 85 I heard my brother my, my brothers my uncle called me the staff to the fifth group uh, you gotta come home it's coming for what what happened so they killed my dad revolution killed my dad and my uncle was a chief of DEA in Iran Youssef Lahiji so he take care of my dad everything I tried to go back to Iran. Unit said, no, you cannot go. Even the State Department said, you cannot go. We don't let you go. Because we are afraid gonna capture you over there and put you in the jail or we kill you also. So, but my mom, my uncle, my sister went for burying my dad in, uh, in Iran at a ceremony, you know how it goes. Would, would you mind elaborating on how your dad was killed? I don't mind. When I, the way my uncle told us to find my dad, naked body, they drop him off from fifth floor. We used to live in the north of Tehran, Seyd uh, Khandan. So they dropped my dad behind our house. It was open, open uh, land. It was no build up yet. So they find my dad naked uh, and uh, bloody, the way my uncle told us. I said, God, I'm gonna have revenge. I have to go, I have to go do something to find out. They said, take it easy now. Just do what you have to do. And uh, I couldn't go. 
I couldn't go. How much anger and rage do you have at that time? Because, you know, when I read about you and your dad, you guys had a lot in common. You know, you mm. said he saw you and he saw himself. He feared things that... Yes. I don't have any fear for anybody, even, even God, because God is not... You have to fear for Him. You get to love Him. He loves everybody. That's why I read Bible, Quran, and Torah. Mm. Bible, everything they say, even I'm not Christian, I'm a Muslim, is all about love. So I, I hold my anger. So forgiveness, I cannot forget about it, but forgiveness is calm me down. During that moment? That moment also, yes. Because I'm always, every time I pray to God, regardless what I go, what I do, it doesn't matter what, a good time or bad time ask him, help me, protect me, that he does. So far he does. I know, I'm sure God does for everybody, not only for me. The angry I have, I hold it because the government from Iran, they put everybody down, they make life miserable for poor people in Iran, since they cannot survive. So let me ask you, the event on when they killed your father, it was the government that came in and the neighbors said they saw some people going into the house. Exactly, so my uncle asked the neighbors, that's my uncle told us, that's when neighbors saw a lot of couple of people going up and down, up and down. That's why your dad threw it out from the window inside, outside the house. Why would they go after your father though? My dad was a very powerful man and uh, he was a full birth color in the police department, yes. Oh, okay. So, and this is during Shah or this is Khomeini era? During the Shah, during the Khomeini, he was retired. That's why they didn't like him because he had a lot of connection. Be honest with you, I don't know why they killed him. Even today? Even today, why? It comes to me, why? It's interesting to me because um, my uh, sister's uh, husband, my brother-in-law, is right. uh, uh, Siomak Sabatimani. Siomagai Sabatimani is his father. Yes, okay. So when they were living there, Agai uh, Sabatimani was a very, uh, the Shah loved the way Agai Sabatimani would give the news. Right. And he was an anchor, a very well-known anchor with his voice, you know, who sure, in, sure. you know. Yes. So when they were going through that era and the revolution happened 78, 79. Correct. Khomeini was getting rid of anybody that was linked to the Shah. Generals, I mean, you know, the stories Correct. about the arms Correct. being Correct. cut and all these other things. Yes. So, you know, that part of the motivation of anybody linked to the Shah, they were doing that. I'm just surprised that they still did it in 85. I'm just oh, surprised that that happened in 85 and it kept continuing. If I say they're animal or they have no education, they're selfish, they want everything for themselves, to me, that's wrong. Do you mind if we go back and sure. spend a little bit of time in Iran with you? Because sure. uh, I know we went to, uh, all the way to, up to the fifth group in right. Fort Bragg, but let's let's go back. Because from there, I know we're going to go into Black Hawk Down. We're going to go right. into some of the experiences. Right. You know, you jumped out of a plane with right. uh, as a parachute and your right. partner jumped on top and you guys right. were flying down to get right. killed. Right. You pulled the reserves. You guys made it. Right. His legs were shattered. And, you know, a lot of great stories. You have incredible stories you have there. But uh, I want to go back to Iran. I want to go back to when you were living there, right. 60s, 70s, today you turn on the TV, when you think about Iran, you don't think about a place to go for vacation. You don't think about no. a place to go, hey, honey, let's go this summer to Iran and take our family. They were back in the days, you know how it was. Yes. The Frank Sinatra, everybody would go to concerts there, parties Correct. there. Elizabeth Taylor Correct. was dating Ola Zahedi, the ambassador. Correct. There's a lot of things that was going on back Correct. there, right? Correct. In the 70s, I think it was recognized as one of the top three uh, destinations for vacation around the world, Correct. Iran, out of all the places. Correct. So paint a picture of what Iran looked like, you know, in the 60s and the 70s, from what you remember. It was so open. It was so open. Nobody come tell you why you're here, why you're drinking beer, for instance, why you're dancing, why you listen to music. I read the Quran. I didn't see anything in the Quran, they said. It's the Iranian, they said, you cannot drink, you cannot dance. I, I didn't see it. I found out three weeks ago, you don't believe it if I tell you right now, my cousin lived in the East Coast, Boston, Massachusetts. Mm -hmm. He read my book. He sent a couple books. He is a brother in Italy. They said, Changes, watch yourself. I said, watch myself for what? Said the article in the book, everybody like it, but your name 
is in the blacklist. My name is Blacklist. Okay, what are they gonna do, kill me? Unbelievable, because I read the book. Wow. Well, but you don't hold back in the book, though. You're, you're not holding back. You, you're sharing your oh, thoughts, your opinions. I'm, you're sharing, not, I'm sharing what you, they're gonna do to me. They're yeah, you're me. not. No, if, if they wanna kill me, I'm ready. Come on. But Iran and was open. Iran was a Iran beautiful place. Iran was open. The I, stuff I, I hear about Kabarete Tehran. Oh, like, Kabarete was awesome. Kabar, tell, tell me, tell me. I hear these stories from my dad, but I, tell Kabar me about Kabarete Tehran. Kabarete Tehran was Kabarete, you go, is so open. You sit, you drink, you dance, you have a good time with your friends, and you can ask anything you want to bring for you. You, you weren't born that time. No. I, I don't think you were, no. Even in Abadan, petroleum company belong, was, have belonged to the government, they have a lot of clubs. In Abadan. Oh, God, you don't believe it. Beautiful. People go over there like Christmas time. Oh, oh, beautiful lights, people dancing with the family come. Reservation, like here, big hotel, you pay 10 days before, the table for you, all drink you want, any kind, any kind. There's no, no question about it. You know, people, okay, people praying, yes. People drinking, yes. I don't see, but God said don't drink. But drink, me, I drink moderate, okay? I don't need to get stupid. So times were good. So, time so during great. that time, because you hear about, you know, the music. Do you ever listen to the music and go back to the time? Like, do you listen to Gugush? Do you listen yes, to Gugush. Daryush, Moin, Dela Michal Be'esfaham, Bergerdam? Like, do you? Even English music over there. When I worked with my gas station, my brother, the music, ABBA, or Rose Stone. Yes, in ABBA, Ira wow. Yes, in Iran, I was listening. Oh, I listened to the music. Wow. I worked with my brother. It was making me feel so good. You know what's good? Be honest with you, 60 years ago, well, I came 40, 40, 40 years ago. That uh, still, that time was great. Uh, when I was 10 years old. Oh. Did you ever go to Bandar Pahlavi? Three, ta uh, three times. You went to Bandar Pahlavi? Yes. You know, they changed the name. I don't know what it's called right I now. I don't know. Yeah, but it was called Bandar Pahlavi back then. Correct. Bandar Pahlavi, Jazirah Khark. Yep. They are still there. Abali, would you go to Abali? Oh, oh, God, Abali Tehran, ski, of course. Yeah, yes, Abali. yes. Okay. There was a place my dad took me in Abali, in the water. He says, jump in the water. So I jump in the water, but it's gas water. Gas I, mean, water. How do you explain? <laughs> I jumped in, I couldn't breathe. The gas got in my <laughs> nose, my ears. He's That's laughing right. outside. No, you're right, you're right. Patrick. But it felt so amazing. We would have jigad, you know, G liver outside with the nice green and the salt and Absolutely. the lohme, you know. Sarapol, Sarapol Shembron. Mm -hmm. I don't know if you remember or not. We used to go over there to have a... Uh, Sikh. Sikh, Sikh kebab. Oh God. The, the, the corn they would make oh, with God. the salt the, water. The, the, the nuts, they put in the water, cut it. Oh God. I, I stayed there till I, I was 10 it. years old. I, I was there till 10, but I'm in October 78, baby. So I was born during the peak of Cinema Rex fire when it happened. Ooh, so when Cinema Rex yes. fire happened, that's when I was born. And Cinema Rex was in Abadan. Abadan, correct. And let me ask you a question. Yes. If we can talk a little bit about, since you're, I think it was your uncle that was the chief of police or chief of intelligence in Abadan. What, what was your? Is my uncle was chief. My dad was chief of uh, chief of police in Abadan, uh, undercover. Chief of police Abadan undercover. Yes. So he was there when Cinema Rex happened. Yes. So let me ask you a question: the 400 people that were killed. So exactly. So why don't you tell us what happened, Cinema Rex? Well, I was there. You're not in the cinema. I was in the house when we heard it. We because cinema to my our house about a couple of miles are the bicycle and police department is next to cinema. Mm -hmm. Rex, okay, right across, right, right next to it. Right, yes. yes, right. So somebody that has some problem locked the doors outside so nobody could get out. And as you know, those days they have a door like that with a piece of metal. You close it, you put a big chain inside, they put a lock in it. So with the movie start, they lock the whole door. It wasn't one guy, two guys, it was a few people did that. They put the gas around the theater and flame it. And uh, exactly 400 people died, correct. Until now, I don't know, they couldn't find out who was it, why they did it. So they blamed two people. They said a group, the Khomeini's people said Savak did it. Savak. And the other side, the police did it. 
right? The police department. So they're saying, who did it? Did the police do it? Did Savak do it? Was Khomeini's people do it? Who did it? But uh, that was a disastrous moment when disastrous. that took place. It, it, uh, the blame was put on the Shah. Shah couldn't protect it. Innocent people died. Right, and right. I just, I, for me, it's a, it's, it, I come from that. You know, whatever sure. I do. I've been in America for a while. I was in the army. I was, I'm sure. proud, you know, sure. to be American. But at the same sure. time, you have an affinity to your homeland. You know, there's yes, something that happens well, where you're born. Correct. I'm born, correct. I'm born in Iran. Like I said many times to friends, my body is Iranian, but my heart is American. Mm -hmm. Okay, because I want to be I, because this country they give me opportunity to do what I want to do. Sometimes I could not reach it, but at least they opened the door for me. I went close to it. I want to talk about that when when the reason why people like us come over here for better opportunity, your family, or right. you decide to come over here. Right. But go, going back to Iran. You know, you read stats, they say 9 million people revolted, okay? That's a stat you read about, 9 million people. It's oh, the biggest on. revolution of all time yes. in the history. Correct. We've never had 9 million people revolt. No. And all these people show up and they're listening to tapes of Khomeini who was living right. at that time, I believe in France, because right. somewhere in uh, Paris, because they kept him there. He was in exile for a few, he was exiled twice, I oh, believe, twice, right? twice. Once in the 60s, once in the 70s. And he was in uh, uh, Paris for like nine Correct, years. Correct, yes. So what caused the revolution from your perspective? Your family was involved somehow in politics. They were in power. They had some contacts. Correct. What caused the revolution? How do you go from the regime getting better? They're spending more money on education. He went from spending $45 billion, I think from 63 to uh, 45 billion rials in 63 to 67 in education. Then he spent... Uh, 117 billion rials from 68 to 72. Right. Then he spent 540 billion rials from 73 to 77. Things are going good. There's a million foreigners that are working in Iran. Right. One million foreigners that are working in right. Iran, living a life with their wife, with their kids. And then this revolution takes place. What was the cause for it? My opinion, maybe I'm wrong. The people was close to show the light to him as far as uh, uh, Shah eight generals, and they did not give the Shah truth information. People disrespect Shah because they thought Shah didn't help him, but they were wrong. They thought Khomeini comes, they're gonna help him better. Well, who brought, my opinion, who brought Khomeini to Iran? Khomeini didn't come by himself to Iran. A CIA brought the Khomeini to Iran. To what? To make it better, but no. So CIA planted Khomeini. So at, are you saying during, because who was before Carter? Ford was before Ford, Carter, right? right? And then it was Nixon. When I came here, it was Nixon president. When you came here, was Nixon. Nixon, right, Got 1973. <clears throat> 73, 74, yeah. He left, yeah. So, but Nixon had a good relationship with the Shah. Big it's not time. like they had a bad relationship. They actually got along very good. I don't know why America government and Iran, they think America and Iran enemy. I don't see, I don't see why enemy? Because they did hostage. Okay, I I Iranian, yeah, it was wrong. Hold the hostage people in Iran, 1979. But Iranian did not kill any Americans, as far as I know, even today. But we, as American soldiers, we kill a lot of Iranians, a lot of Arabs, a lot of Afghanis. To me, I did too, because who's better than me? Me, I'm in the combat. A lot of things to help me in the combat everywhere. My smile, a smile, my smile saved me a lot in the military and civilian life. They smile. call me, yes sir. They put the gun on me, I smile, I said, you know, uh, they took me places, but I came back clean. But that moment, I killed a lot of people. I hate to say that, please forgive me if I say that, but no choice. No choice. If I didn't kill the guys, they would kill me. I survived, I survived, I survived. I spent 11 years in the war. Do you remember those moments vividly? Those moments? Yes, I remember when I was active duty in the Lebanon, active duty in Somalia. And when I got retired 2000, late 2000, I was Afghanistan for 11 years. Mm -hmm. I was with 10 special forces group. I was with DODs and our State Department. And you had some runnings with the Delta Force guys, right? Yes, I did that. You were doing stuff with Delta all the time. Yes, I did yeah. that. Yeah, we, we a lot of training in the uh, 
Far East together. Didn't you do like over 100 missions in Afghanistan? I like? did more, honestly, I did more than 100 missions. I, if I said, not, I'm not exaggerating it, I did more than 300, 300 combat missions. Total? A total, I sort of got. Total. So give me one of the ones that, you know, stays with you till today. I know, let, let's talk about Black Hawk Down, when you experienced that yourself. The one, this one. This one, our mission was, our, after I came back from uh, work for FBI, mm -hmm. so mission was, I was ODF 596, fifth group. Our mission was humanitarian help for the poor people in the, uh, Somalia. When the Black Hawk, when the people killed four Marines, if you remember that, so drag him on the ground, so our mission changed. So our mission changed, we did a lot of patrol with the team, in the Mogadishus, it was nasty. Oh God, I said, God, um, we're gonna die every day. You're gonna die every day. So when Black House went down, I was almost, it was two, two Black House went down. We, uh, probably I was 50, 60 feet away from the forsaken one, the west side, I believe, or west side of a place we were patrolling. Cause I went to the houses, give the candy, mm. food, helping, they like me, I, I spoke, not great Arabic, but I could get by, okay, goodbye. But now I forgot most of them. Never, I never can forget it. And, uh, and a friend of mine, uh, Tim Martin, he came, he was a Delta guy, but SF guy, but went to Delta, came back to Okinawa, Japan, I met him, then he went back to Delta, and he was in the Humvee coming toward the town to support Delta guy, support our Ranger guy, and got RPG hit him, RPG went his leg. Yes, he's dead right away, right there. And great guy, great guy, known uh, pretty much uh, good people. Right in front of you when this happens? What happened, not exactly in front of me, it was about 50, 15 feet, 20 feet away. 15 feet, 20 feet is not? Well, you know, I, I'm not gonna lie to you, exaggerate this. Yeah, well, I see. When the RPG hit, did you experience the whole sound? Oh, you can't hear ears, anything, your I ears are? I, I can't hear that much, my left ears. My left ears is, I got a hearing uh, problem. I'm getting worried, but I don't like this coming out all the time. Pretty bad, it's still every, every day, 24 seven, I got ringing in my ears, 24-7. Mm. So Black Hawk Down, going back to it, so that happens, RPG hits, his legs, he's gone right in front of you. R gone, uh, and a lot of Rangers die over there. I was so lucky, so lucky. All oh, my team was lucky. Then I came back, we, I spent 90 days. I just 90 days, I stayed there. We came back, then I got assignment. DLI, with the DLI. DLI, like DLI? DLI, DLI in Monterey. Monterey? Yes. Okay. Yes, DLI in Monterey. To, to DLI is a linguistic school. There used to be an army base called Fort Orr back in the days. Now you go to DLI to learn a language. Right. And then you get shipped out. Called Defense Language School is a very big, everybody goes over there, even agencies go over there, and is a huge, uh, about 5,000 5, troops goes over there, Marine, Navy, Army, Special Forces, not mm. that much. Because Special Forces right now, they have their own school in the Fulbright. Six months. Really? Yes, sir. But with the standing advance to go one year. You know, Special Forces right now, these days, they cannot go to the A-team unless after graduate from phase one, phase two, phase three, they go to SEER school. They Is it true in SEER school they can break small bones on you because they're they teaching did. you how to be a POW? Yes, I did. I, I went to SEER school, 80, 84, uh, 84, and SEER instructor course. Both how hard them. was SEER school? It's not that long, it's a short school, it's, it's like two it's weeks, three 12 weeks. days. It's a hard, you have to get it. Is you it mentally to, and emotionally mentally, they drain you? Mentally, physically drain you, yes. Did you do the whole exercise of sitting in the room and the sound, the noise the is sound, going loud? No, the sound, they beat you and you have to you have you have to sign hey if it's something happened is you ask for it okay that's what we did that's why i did you know i went to a lot of good schools hard schools and i'm proud of it because i proved to myself and now these days people tell me what you prove it i said i have to prove anything to you i'm retired i you know if you don't know something about me i cannot carry 150 pound rucksack anymore as you know, you know, I carry atomic bomb called Sadom in my back in the ODA 564. How was that? How was that when you were carrying atomic it's, bomb? It was a two team, two group, fifth group and seventh group 
task, one, one group, one battalion were the Sadom. And Sadom is very real bomb before SR-71 do stuff mm -hmm. like that, before computer came out, as you know, computer came 91, 92. So we have to keep that, that solid bomb is 85 pound, goes to Alice rucksack. And when you carry it, you cannot walk straight, you gotta walk like this. And every person of team carry your food, socks, wa water, you can put the water outside because uh, uh, canteen, you can put yes. On the side. Nothing you can put inside the rucksack. How you feeling when you carry a nuclear oh, bomb on your back? Is, uh, is it sucks. Sorry about that. It's <laughs> is a painful. It's a painful. You don't believe it. That's why my bag messed up right now. It's painful. We did a lot of training. I did uh, uh, four static line jump. I did two halo jump. But the first halo jump, I didn't do it because my team, I told my team sergeant, Bob Fleming, his name is right here too. I can't do it. Show me how to do it. Because when you jump, it will just tumble 100 Mm. Almost 120, 130 miles an hour coming down so fast. Then I had no experience. I don't want to talk about them more because if I say, it's right here, right, read the book. <laughs> but tell me about the part where you you're, you got tangled with oh, your friend. Oh, that one, that one, unbelievable. This one, I get a team member. His name is was he died, uh, John Murphy. We go to Thailand, Ponsaluk. Uh, teaching Thai Royal Special Forces training, uh, shooting, a tire house, clear, stuff like that. And because Thai people, they love to jump. They love halo jump. They, you just go over there. If, uh, if they don't eat because they have no money to rent the aircraft, but we support them a lot. Mm. So we jump. We let the Thai people go first because they have a tendency open the chute fast. So that one comes get tangled, you get killed. So they jump first, after a minute, we would hire 18, 18, 12, five, because if you go above 12, five, you gotta wear oxygen. To 12,500, 12, you don't have to wear oxygen, because you jump, you're coming down fast, so air is over there. So we jump, and opened my chute 4,500, I was doing good. Suddenly, John Murphy, he's, he was, the guy is bad luck all the time. He had every time he jumped, he do Murphy something. Was very, very bad luck every time. He did four or five accidents. So I was doing coming to the drop zone. It was airport. I, somebody hit me in the air. Bang! Oh God! His riser burned my neck, and my shoot nine cell three cell collapse. It was um. I said, God help me, and he. I said. I, I was very upset, but I hold him in my both legs because his shoot came down. He could oh he couldn't do nothing. Come on! I swear to God that he said, "Changis, Changis, please." I don't know how you know I was I was there because I talk, I, I cuss a lot. Okay, that he know he recognized my voice. Mm. So he said, "Don't don't cut away, don't cut away." If I would cut away, we both was dead. Both of you. Both yes. Both, no question about And your initial it. reaction was to cut. You were initially thinking. I was going to. I was going right here to cut away mm. and open my reserve. God said, no, one second. I swear to God, one second. Wow. I hold the toggle so tight and we're coming down fast. We were about 3,000 feet above the ground. I tried to land it in the grass. I couldn't make it. I land in a runway. He landed, God forgive me, when he landed, I hit him, my neck in his face, he almost killed me. So I landed my back, I broke four ribs, and he broke his uh, leg, leg, left leg, yes. Shattered. No, broke it. No, broke it. Bone is out. Yes. I broke my leg too, I'll tell you about that also. It was almost seven o'clock evening, daytime, so, that's what I'm saying. God bless America. God bless SF. 2300 at night. One C-130 Patrick took him and us to Philippines. From Thailand. From Thailand. Six hours drive. You know how much that cost? How much? A lot. A lot of money for civilians. To do. To me, it's great. Look at. Look at what I'm serving. 
That's why I love you guys. That's why I love you guys. So anyway, he was there for months. I was there for three days because doctors said, I can't do nothing about rep. That's correct. You can't. You can't have a surgery. I couldn't breathe for four weeks. Let me ask you, the black down, I read one of the stories when the black down, black hawk down, right. the pilot died when you guys crashed. Pilot died. The pilot died and one of, one of your uh, buddies died, but you survived it. And there's a picture of you right after. Right here, the, the picture, Afghanistan, mm -hmm. 2008. Yes, we were doing mission, we cleared the- You're um, still we, doing missions in Hawaii? Yes, I did. I did a lot of mission from, from 2002 2010, I was Afghanistan. Because you were doing a civilian contracting. Civilian, correct. So what happened in 08 when the, when the other block went down? They call us because I was advisor IED mm -hmm. in Afghanistan. Mm -hmm. I see a lot of lake, head, bones. Every time it happened, we have to go. We have to go survey, collect all this stuff, and give it to, send it to the FBI, analyze it. So what kind of device they're using, okay? after they find out what kind of device using, so they study it. So in 2008, uh, I was working with SF guys, uh, but it was no SF with me, only me as a civilian advisor. We cleared the 35, 40 caves. The caves we cleared, it, it wasn't cave uh, that Bin Laden built it, no. Right, because stuff I made it, but I find it, what it was for, for uh, during uh, the Mujahideen. So stay there in the uh, valley called Wilderness. Nobody could go over there. That deep mountain, everything. We did, I did three weeks over there. The, the day I want to come back, go to the main compound about with helicopter 45 minutes ride. Two helicopter, three helicopter landed, take us. So usually they, they, they come from west, take off from east. I don't know what happened that day. Mm. They landed from west and took off from west. We get up, it was around two, 13 people in the, in the helicopter and uh, went up. FBI guy was with us too, uh, and Andy. Nice FBI guy. guy. F yes, as a, not as an advisor, as a, analyze all the IEDs. That was his job was. So he came with us also. So we went up. Those two helicopters took off. We were on the 70 feet high. We got hit. I said, what's going on? Coming down, pop, pop, pop. I said, sit down, sit down, sit down. I, I was sitting down, my face to the pilot, and everybody, colonel, majors, me, two more E7, we came down so fast. The pilot and co-pilot were very smart. They shut off the engine. They had to because we coming down, smashed on the, on the ground, rolled three roll over, and uh, the blade was destroyed. I, I got a picture also, not here, but I got it at home. We could open, we could open the door. I touched my hair, my head, oh, it's wet. So scared. Blood over my face. I kicked the door three or four times, opened the door, uh, coming out. The enemy about 100 feet over there. I fire, I fire almost seven round, mag seven round magazine. Ta -ta 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 -ta. So there were, I guess, I don't know how many I killed or not. I, I don't know, I don't know. And, and camp, a small camp was, we, we crashed right under about 50 feet by the camp, the army guy were the 10 mountain division. So the, so soon as they saw that, they came support us. And uh, the captain, uh, Garcia, I remember his name, he bandaged my head right there. I'm surviving, he said, why are you laughing? Man, I'm surviving, man, I'm here. Wounded, but I'm life. They were so happy. After they took us to the small uh, medic over there, the one guy and the captain, he was not surgeon, doctor. So switched my head, about 13, 14 stages in the head, three, four right here. Is already a stuff I have somewhere here. So they then sent me, the medevac asked me, another guy broke his leg. One guy died, I believe it, pilot or co pilot because I kicked the door of co-pilot to pull him out because he couldn't get out mm. to pull him out. So I went to the base, they put me in the surgery room, they came to clean me up, they fixed me very good, no question about it. I never forget it. And after that, after three weeks, uh, they moved me from there to Camp Phoenix, worked for the Special Force again. But I was so afraid, I was 
I don't want to get in the helicopter no more. Wow, so that stayed with you. Yes, I was scared. Every time I go to helicopter, I would just my fade out. I couldn't, I couldn't. I did though, because I, I don't want to be checking out. But honest to God, even now, if I'm flying with big commercial, still hesitation. Wow. Yes. Let, let me ask you, the first time you experienced being shot at, how was that? It's scary. Is it extremely fast? Extre oh, you... Yeah. Purely reaction-based. Very. I, I was another section. I was going IED uh, to the village, talked to police guy supporting him. Poor guy standing next to me. I was so lucky. A sniper from 100 feet, the house we cleared after that, he was going to kill, shoot me. I was next to the policeman. He killed the policeman instead of me. Mm. Not by accident. I don't know what happened. God helped me. So as soon as he hit him, or pull him down over the ground, cover, I called the guys, come on. So after less than five minutes, we all went to the house. The guy was gone. That's the first time he got shot at? Yes. Did you ever see any soldiers in the heat of the moment panic and lock up? Oh yeah, froze up. How many times did you see it? Like what, and then would you ask, would they typically oh. ask him to leave or reposition him? I told him, get down. They're scared, I push him down. What would they do with him afterwards? Would they send him back or they would no, give him no, more chances no, no, until you got no, used to no, it? No, no, I, I put him down and everything was cooled down. I could take him. What do you talk to him about? What do you tell him? I, I told him, I know you have a fear. I have a fear too, but you have to fight the fear. You have to fight the fear. You can't just froze and do nothing. Get down, cover and shoot back. How's that conversation? Is it an understanding conversation or is it more like a dictatorial dictate, like, hey, you better do this or else you're gonna no, get killed? I, the, the way, the way I, the combat, I never people what to do or force him or pull the rank on them. I just tell them about experience, correct them. Because if you don't correct the guy right away, he's gonna die. No good. You gotta correct him right away, get that bad habit out of his body and give him motivation. How many times did you have to do that in your career? I did that more than five, six times. Okay, so not as many times. So for the most part, right. most people's reaction was, let me react, fight back or defense or right. do something, right? right? Immediate reaction. Correct. So what's the first time you shot at somebody and you felt like I killed somebody? Do you remember the first time for you? First time I killed somebody, he was in Iraq, not too close to me. I, I wouldn't say feel bad because I protect myself and my colleagues. Yeah, it, it's nice to kill, but the combat situation totally different than you kill somebody in the street. I know, but the part I'm trying to ask you is, was there any sentiment or was it was like, you're trying to take my freedom away, I have to stop you before you do it to me. That's right. That's the mindset. That's it. Okay. That's me. Got it. That's me. I was with General McChrystal yesterday. I don't know if you oh, remember General oh, McChrystal. Yeah. We yeah, were together yeah, yeah. yesterday. It was first time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he talked about the first time he killed somebody and he said it felt great because it was my job, my duty to pr protect my country Correct. and I had to do it. So the way he talked about it was very much nonchalant it wasn't like oh my gosh it's a big no, deal no it was a very normal thing he talked no. about that <clears throat> that happened in military too correct but a lot of guys in military they brag about it oh i killed that blah 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 blah, yeah. blah, blah. you know i see it a lot i listen but i don't say nothing i said whatever you know i have a friend of mine who was uh, uh, delta right and he got out he was special forces delta and he went all over and he will never tell the horror stories and he won't brag about it. I never do. He is so uncomfortable to, to, to him. It's very similar to what you're saying right yeah. now. When you went one time, did you start itching it? You're like, I have to go again and again and again and again. And because you're like, Haiti, nothing really happened. It's almost as if you wanted to see more action. Were you driven by that action? No, I didn't ask for it. I'm going to go get, get my CIB or get my medal for it to kill. No, never done that. Everybody SF knows who I am. I don't wear patches, stuff like that, unless they force me. When I go calm, even even now, when I walk someplace, I'm always conscious, 360. Even today? Even today. Where do you sit in the restaurant? Do you sit in a specific place in a restaurant? Yes, restaurant, I would not sit in the front or in the middle. I sit behind my bag, bag in the wall. Back against the wall. Got to. That's amazing how that I stays. Got to. Even I go, even I was top the Humvee with the two 40s, or 50 cal, we didn't have those block 
Humvee coming up, you know, those covered. No, no, we didn't have that when I was in Afghanistan. We didn't have it, but always I watching myself back in the 360 watching, because I was, I was training Karzai detailed. Uh, we have the convoy take the students to the range fire. There's a combat mm. combat zone. Going back to the 18 part, uh, what was it like being part of the 18? First of all, I mean, how does somebody become part of the 18? I know special forces. You have to be. You can't just say, "I want to go be special forces." There's a extreme training process. Ranger school is its own school. Airborne school is its own right. school. SEERS is its own special forces. How long? Special forces, eight weeks or 12 weeks? The selection is one month. After your selection, you have to, you have to know your MOS. MOS depends the MOS. The longest MOS in the Space Force is very critical, medic. That's the one where they say you, they, they stab a cow Everything. in the heart and they say you have to make sure the cow doesn't die. Goat. Goat. Goat Used is to the be one goat. they do. Yeah. Yes, I was medic before, but I couldn't handle the medical terminology. I, I, couldn't, I couldn't pass it. I was afraid, so I changed my MOS to 18. It was used to be 11 Bravo, 11, uh, 12 Bravo. Weapons heavy, light and heavy. You ask me about them, A-team. A-team is a place not for everybody. When you finish the selection, finish your MOSs, you come to A-team as a young E5, E4 team sergeant train you. You have to listen what he's saying to you. You just don't go, depends, depends the situation is. You just don't go to combat, shooting, no. He testing you. So each MOSs, each A team, they speak foreign languages. Everyone. Every one of them. Everyone, they speak one languages like Farsi, Arabic, Chinese. And those languages, like fifth group, most speak Farsi, Dari, Arabic because we belong to Middle East. Seventh group, most speak Spanish, Italians. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And third group, speak Sahulis from Africa and Arabic because they belong to Africa. Ten group, the most speak uh, Russians, uh, German, French, uh, those people speak that, yes. Interesting. And for first group, everybody speak Chinese. Not everybody, like one Chinese, Want to speak Tagala, want to speak Thai, want to speak. Uh, it. Yes. Asia is where it's at. Any Asia language, they Got speak it. those languages, yes. The good thing about the A team is nobody comes to you as a team member, 12 men, supervise you. They give you opportunity to prove yourself. When I'm, you ask me, Chinese, I want you to watch this book for me for 10 hours. It's not to come here, I'm drinking whiskey or coffee and don't pay attention to the task you gave me to do that. So that's good about the A-team. Everybody understand, everybody help each other in the team. Every watching job, we have one captain, one one officer, and we have 10 enlisted. The E-8 team sergeant, he runs the team, and everybody has to listen to him, even captain, mm. one officers. So rank doesn't matter in the A-team? In A-team, no. I like that. That's why we don't be called. So no one pulls rank on the team. No, they call me Changis. That's why they call me Changis. And A team, you guys had mustaches. You didn't dress up the same as everybody else. Not anymore. They used to be like that. Got it. But now, when you go to different countries, you see it. Yes, we we, we grooming standard. Mm-hmm. We beard, long hair, like in Afghanistan. I was Africa. I was a fifth group, uh, Middle East. Uh, we do stuff to blend in. But we're coming back, used to be four years ago, but now because they changed it. But when you go to different countries, yes, you don't understand that. You know, the biggest difference you notice from Special Forces Iran training versus Special Forces here training? Oh, totally different. What's the difference? A difference is the better equipment here. Equipment. Equipment. Got it. Better classes, better technique. That's what we learned from fifth group. Lot of, we have a lot of American technique, philosophy, a lot of American philosophy technique in uh, Iran. When I was going, when I was being recruited to Special Forces, 18 Delta, right. fifth group, which was right down the street right. from 326. Right. My colonel was Colonel Peacocks at the time. Hello. And 
Fulbert, and right. I went there, they said, you know, best thing you want to do is go talk to some other special forces and That's talk true. to them. That's true. So I didn't understand that initially. I'm like, listen, you want me. Like, I was like, I'm going to be a super soldier. I work out. I'm strong. I'm going to be, I speak languages. I was the typical cocky 19-year-old, right? Correct, correct. Like, I'm going to come and help you take over the world. I said, no, go talk to other special forces. So I started talking to them. So many times the topic of marriage came up. Exactly. So I'm like, why are you talking to me about marriage? They would say, hey, uh, private so soldier, let me ask you, I was an E4 at the time. Uh, do you ever want to get married and have kids and have a family? Yeah, of course. Never become special forces. Reason. I said, why? And they would say, just, it's not going to work out. I'm on my fourth marriage. I'm on my third marriage. I'm on my fifth marriage. I've been married five times. I've been married three times. That's true, though. So, so you've never been married until no. you were 62. Correct. And you said at 62, you met a Native um, uh, American woman who you co- your, is your right. wife now. And you said, I think at 62, it's time for me to settle down. That's right. How do you view marriage? Okay. People like me in the special forces, you always deploy and you leave your wife behind nine, 10 months a year and kids. She understand, but not that much. She get tired of it. Because women need the man be close to her, maybe not 24 a day, uh, hours a day, but has to be close to family, especially the kids. So the Space Force unit is hard. Nine months is a long time. Long time. I was going 11 months a year. So you're on the road, on the- in, in 24, 11, yes sir. Deployed. Yes. You just got married. Yes. Congratulations. Thank you. So uh, how old are you now, if you don't mind me asking? I'm 68. You're 68? Yes, today. sir. So 10 years ago, you were still going and doing, 10, when Black Hawk Down happened yes, in the road, you were 58? Yes, I was, I was hardcore. You were 58? Yes, I was hardcore. I was bad. Oh, people That's could not touch me. I'm, I'm not kidding you. Wow. I was had a beard that long. I showed my beard. I saw the picture. Yeah. I saw the picture. I, I was you doing, had blood all over your head oh, in the picture. It's uh, a, and that's right after the whole yeah, thing happened. Oh, yes, I did, I did. I was jogging, a convoying, oh man. Chengiz, are you a pretty sentimental guy? Are you pretty, are you the guy that gets emotional and you go back thinking history, thinking family, thinking Iran, or not really? You're pretty emotionally I am um, emotional, yes. I'm, I'm sensitive. To what? To people tell me, you terrorist. I told people, tell them, I said, this terrorist, fight for your freedom and still fighting and fight for my, my freedom also. It's very obvious those comments bother you. The camel comments, those oh, comments. Oh, they call me Camel jockey, they call me inward. At first, I fought a lot. A lot. Because you're black belt. You're. Well, yes, I was, I, was, I was a good boxer too. Since 10, 50, more than 15 years, I just, forgiveness for me is key. Because I just, if I get fight, upset myself, I just killing myself. Mm-hmm. Doesn't worth it. How, how do you view the Shah? Well, the thing, you, what's your, what's your uh, memories or just idea of the Shah? What do you think about the it? The Shah was good. He went too fast, put it this way. The Shah first had, had one bag of gold, gave it to the, his general, they passed it out. But the end, nothing left. W- what I'm saying by that, that means he trusts everybody, but he did not listen to people that have more knowledge than him. Who should he have listened to? Any specific names? He told him something about the revolution. He didn't listen to him about no. Khomeini. No, that's what I'm saying. That's my point is. The, you have to take Khomeini more seriously. He says he's not, he's too old, he's going to die. Old. We don't that's have to right. worry about it. So he should have listened there. He should listen to Do it. Do you think he got a little too uh, confident, a little too confident about what was happening in Iran? Like Too confident. The interview with BBC. Do you remember that? The blue-eyed people. The brown-eyed peoples are teaching the blue-eyed peoples something. Is that well, no, we really, we are not teaching something. The blue-eyed people have to wake up. Wake up to? From their complacency to, for this torpor in which they put themselves by taking maybe too many sleeping pills. And uh, he said uh, Iran in the next 5, 10, 15, 20 years is going to be one of the top five empires in the world. He was wrong. He was wrong. It was because he was too confident. You have, you have to work into it. Say he didn't take that approach. What should he have done with Khomeini? Say he, he listened to Majid. What should he have done to Khomeini? He's he in should Paris. Not, okay, he should not bring Khomeini. Actually, he didn't bring Khomeini back. He didn't? No. He got exiled. He got F- foreign country brought, brought him back. Shah got exiled. That's why he shouldn't have left the country. He shouldn't have left the no, country? No, he knew he going to die. Shah should stay in Iran. Even if he dies? Even if he died. He didn't die in his country. He died in Egypt. Shah should not left the country. His son right now with the... D.C. 
to see right now. What do you think about him? I don't know. He's a smart guy. What he's doing? He just talks. What should he be doing? He, my opinion, he should grasp people like old guys, like you said, military. They are here, exiled to America, get together, have a good plan, get a good plan to build Iran again. Do you think he has to listen to the older people or they're not? Because, you know, sometimes the older people are afraid of giving them direct feedback because they're kind of at the phase of life is good. It's about forgiveness. My grandkids, I want to play a different That's life. That's different situation, forgiveness. Forgiveness, you give forgiveness to people that you deserve it. You know what I'm saying, though. Yes, you know what I'm saying. I do. But you don't give forgiveness to those barbarian Iran and forgiveness to people Arab from Saudi Arabia. Okay? They're killing each other. They're killing Iranians too. Those forgiveness is not forgiveness. Those people has to be... You believe that? Yes. So you, you believe that something needs to be done to the people that cost a half a million lives of Iraqis and Iranians? You better believe it. And you think he can lead something like that? Yes, because he killed half a million Iranian Saddam kids. Hussein, yeah. Yes, Saddam Hussein. He was another worst people. We killed them. You know who find Saddam Hussein? Hmm. Fifth group and some Delta guys. Do you know how many, how much money, brand new dollar, hundred bill dollars in the boxes, duffel bag? I see that, but I couldn't touch it. It wasn't belong to me. Let me ask you. One time I'm sitting down talking to a guy and uh, he said, uh, do you know why uh, America has to be very careful when they go against the extremists in the Middle East? I said, why? He says, because Christians believe in forgiveness, they don't believe in forgiveness. They're going to retaliate. So if you're going against somebody like that, you can't play that same game with them. Does that make sense? Like it you can't go sense. saying, oh, it's okay, let them go. It's okay, forgive them. It's okay, forgive them. It's okay, forgive them. Meanwhile, they keep attacking, attacking, infiltrating. Right. Do you think Shah, Reza, his son, Reza Pahlavi, you're saying, okay, one, go and talk to the older generals and bring them together. There's some here in the U.S. that right. are still around. Not a lot of them. Some right. of them are still some around. Some of them, yes. If you are going to infiltrate, don't you need to, isn't it going to get ugly before it gets better? Like, I don't think Iran's going to be a peaceful revolution if it ever goes back. Religion people from Iran, I'm talking about, grab something is right now very hard to them let it go. You know how many of those mullah last presidents took the money out from Iran brought to America, their family steal money, went to Venezuela. One of the richest people in the world. Yes. So you're you saying the name that I'm thinking? Yes. He took $65 billion. Yes, that's exactly him. His they sons have the money. Correct. Correct. Took your money, my money, even I'm not living there. You're not what living there. What can you there. do, though? What can you do with that today? Well, they should stop him. Even Shah's son should listen to young people like you, educate people, educate like you. Listen, man, those people cannot breathe in Iran. When I came here, a dollar was seven to one. Seven to man. That's I was about to say seven to man. You took the words out of my mouth. Thank you. My dad waited till eighty-nine and right. when he came it was already done. It was too expensive. But today from seven to man to fourteen thousand to man. It's unbelievable. Because so who's you, gonna benefit? They're gonna benefit. So you do think there's a possibility to create a Always possibility. Okay. Always possibility to move better places. You know we have a lot of Iranians that watch Valuetainment. Good. From Iran. Undercover, underground. Say I'm in Iran right now. I'm a younger generation. Right. What should I be doing? Like, if I'm watching a scene, this guy kind of makes sense. What What should I be doing if I'm a 17, 18, 19, 20-year-old over there? Don't give up. Get friends together. Trust each other. Have a good plan. Because these days, technology, awesome. You can go to Google it, find out, escape, find out shooting technique. You're going that deep. So you're talking militia. Yes. That's how far you're going. Why not? When, when I spoke to Reza Pahlavi one time, the son, right. and we were in D.C. at an Italian restaurant, we had a meeting together with him for a few hours. He said his plans were a peaceful revolution. Do you think it is possible for Iran to have a revolution to be peaceful? How can be peaceful? If you remember, Sawak was only in Iran, correct? Now look at every person in the Khomeini's revolution, they're dying for money. So they get paid good. So who's suffering? Those people, students, women, kids. To me, it cannot be peaceful because it, it cannot be peaceful. It has to be something destroyed. At least 50, 60,000 people get killed one day in whole Iran, only Tehran. Then 
people with the weapons down. See, that's why I don't think it's gonna it's gonna happen anytime soon because someone no. has to take the responsibility of 50, 60,000 lives, and whoever takes that responsibility, the 50, 60,000 lives, you're not necessarily a hero to do something. No, like no, that. It's, 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 it's a very it's not ugly the, situation to it be. It is, in. but it's not gonna be hero things because killing people is no good, my opinion. But when time comes, you want to change a revolution. As you know, history, I didn't see, I didn't read any history revolution was peacefully. Yeah. Your opinion on Khomeini. What is your opinion on Khomeini? I know you said something where you had a hard time with uh, religious zealots. My dad told me, told us, he was very open-minded, do not trust these priests, mullahs, at all. Your at dad all. will tell you that. Oh, yes, I swear to God. Wow. At all, do not, because they are not real people. That's why I'm not religious, man. I don't, you know, I, I respect everybody religious. Yes, I do. You were the first Muslim special forces. Yes, in, nobody. In, in, That's yeah, correct. You were the first Muslim special forces. I'm the first Muslim. Iranian. Yes, yeah. Iran, I'm the first Iranian Muslim American. I'm, I'm American for this, okay? In the A-team special forces. And I'm the first American history Green Bray staying in the A-team 20 years. No break. That's amazing to me. No break. That's amazing. That's long standing. How long you no, went? No, no, yeah, I, I broke every bone in my body. That makes sense why you didn't get married. Because I was gone. I love this country. I love the people I work with it. I never put them down. I got, they put me down a couple of them. Ah. But you learned how to make friends with them. Oh, which was big a, time. Your opinion on Khomeini. Think about that. This guy was 80 years old, come to Iran, even cannot talk. I see his pictures many times, videos. How much he knows about the politics? Only thing he knew, my opinion, I'm wrong. About religion, okay, he knows, okay. You can read a lot about religion, get yourself educated these days. How did nine million people follow though? Because they forced them, they forced you people. You can't force nine million people oh. to, to go out there. I mean, I, I remember a speech he gave, he said, Iran has so much money, the Shah is so rich, if you make me, your president, your leader, I'm gonna give you free rice, free food, free drinks, How? free house, free this, free that. How? But he said it, and they fell for it. But because, because the force of people, like I said, every other Iranian, the undercover cop, maybe I'm wrong, but mm. you have a lot. They get money more, or fraud, a lot of fraud in Iran, you know it. Here too, but it's different way. A lot of fraud in Iran. I haven't been there 44 years. You haven't gone there for 44 years? Yeah, I never, I never. Didn't you go there to the embassy right after Jimmy Carter when you Jimmy wrote the letter? Jimmy Carter, yes, but it was the three weeks. Yeah, but you went to Tehran for three weeks. Nobody though. knew me then. Right, you were a spy when you Correct. were there. Correct. Yeah, you went in 88. What year? You went 81, right? You went 80. Close, right close outside to of the embassy. Right. Embassy, right. When I, okay, this is a story. When I read the letter to President Carter. Can I read the letter? Yes. I sure. want to read the letter you wrote to President yeah, Carter. Yeah, please. Dear President Carter, my name is Sergeant Changiz Lahiji, and I am an Iranian native serving in Special Forces, Fort Bragg, North Carolina. Please give me permission to choose an A-team and deploy to Iran to free American hostages. I know the area well and used to play soccer at the stadium Correct. across the street from the U.S. Embassy. Correct. With your approval and support, I am sure I can come up with a plan that will succeed. Please don't say no. That's why I did. Honestly, got truth. That's why I did. That's why I did. They waited a little longer. And they said, let me get back to you. Let us get That's back what, to you. Just like that, when I was active, when I was a contractor, when I spotted Bin Laden, uh, 2002, went to Tora Bora, he came back to embassy, he was, he was offering $25 million. I don't care about that money, you know? He said, around here, well, we get back with you. Because we didn't want it. We didn't want it. Rid of the Bin Laden that time, 2002, we had a mission in Afghanistan not only Bin Laden, a lot of things we have to be close to Iran, close to Azerbaijan, close to Russia, because Afghanistan country is a very, very important land for our, for our interest, even Iran is. What you, you said CIA is the one that influenced Khomeini, and I've read that many, many different places. Yes. You're not the first person that says this. Right. Isn't CIA linked to Carter? at the time, and I know it's two different agencies, but still yeah. the commander-in-chief at the time was Carter. What's your, what's your opinion on President Carter? President Carter is, I met him personally, I was I his uh, detail in uh, Sudan, Darfur. He's a pretty calm guy, he is smart, very smart. Brilliant. Very smart. So I like about him is he's not rushing to go kill people, to, okay, do it. 
his thinking. Do you think a part of that, the fact that he moved slow, also caused Iran to get out of control? Correct. Because you He's, know that part where he didn't help the Shah as much as he could. That's right. The moment he, he left that's, on December 31st, that's right. New Year's Eve, he left six days later, the revolution started. Example, like President Obama pulled the troops out from Iraq too soon. ISIS came. You don't do that. Look at how much costs us taxpayer money for this stupid war. You think, so Carter had some influence with the Iranian revolution? Falling? But falling, the empire falling after the yeah. Shah. Did oh, he yeah. influence oh, yeah. that? I think so, yes. I think so he did. The problem was Shah. He shouldn't have left the country, like I said before. He did, and he wasn't getting any help, though. He, he asked for a while, though. No, they helped him because CIA, America wants to Iran revolution changed something. Because the more it happens, the more control they have over oil. If, if Iran is more stable, it seems like the more stable Iran is, the less control people can have over Middle East and OPEC and politics, all that stuff. You got it. So the more issues there is there, the easier it is to be able to control oil prices, all these other things. Correct. But uh, I mean, look, it's a, it's a very fascinating uh, topic to me because again, I was born, I lived there for sure. 10 years. I'd like to one day be able to take my kids back to Iran for them to say, Here's Khyabana Hojat. This right. is where your daddy went. Okay, here's a school Gulbengan. Right, this right, is where your daddy right, went to school. Right, right. Here's a Parque Shahan Shahi. This Shahan is where Shahan. I rode yeah. the skateboard and fell on my back. That's right. Here's a, you know, Caspian Sea, Bandar Pahlavi. This Beautiful. is where I used to go eat caviar. You know, here's, I don't want to be able to, the only. I hope someday. Yeah. Trust me, someday. I hope someday too. I hope someday too. And I think today with the tools we have on social media, I think it's more doable today than ever before. Yes. I think it was 2012 where uh, Iran was number one in the world with women bloggers. Oh. Women bloggers, writers. So the amount of influence they have with writing, sharing their opinions today, they're on Instagram, they're active. It's higher than it's ever been before. Thank you so much for your time. Thank you for coming and being My a guest pleasure. on Valuetainment, truly. Thanks everybody for listening. And by the way, if you haven't already subscribed to Valuetainment on iTunes, please do so. Give us a five star, write a review if you haven't already. And if you have any questions for me that you may have, you can always find me on Snapchat, Instagram, Facebook, or YouTube. Just search my name, Patrick Bidavid. And I actually do respond back when you snap me or send me a message on Instagram. With that being said, have a great day today. Take care everybody, bye-bye.